Welcome to the Procurement Unplugged podcast, the podcast for procurement professionals. Great to have you with us today. A very warm welcome from my side to another episode of Procurement Unplugged. Um, I'm extremely happy to have uh, Bob Booth here today from uh, IBM, who is a a uh, well-known procurement uh, veteran and who's happy to share some knowledge and insights uh, today with us. Welcome, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Fabian. Thank you. Yeah, maybe it's interesting to understand um, uh, what was your way um, into procurement? I mean, you've been around since uh, quite some time, I would even say two to three decades. You've seen a lot. So what was your first entry road into procurement or what is, all, what is always kind of your dream to, to work in procurement? Yeah, no, actually, so I started my career um, as an accountant in, in practice and I spent the first 10 years uh, in, in working in the accounting profession and also in in um, in industry, and then I read an article uh, by a company I'd never heard of called um, Anderson Consulting about a piece of technology I'd never heard of called SAP that was going to fully automate finance within five years. This was in 1997, right? So I thought, well, I better go do that. So I I joined Ernst and Young um, as an SAP consultant in finance, and then did my first finance implementation. And then I heard in sort of 99 about something called B2B. So I said to my, my colleague, I want to do B2B. And he said, well, there's this piece of technology we've never heard of called Ariva. Um, and we were implementing it at an insurance company. So I went along and then implemented the sort of version five of Ariva um, in, in 2000 for a, for a UK insurer and kind of went from there um, and kind of find it, you know, challenging and dynamic and interesting. And then for the sort of, you know, 15 years thereafter, I've been um, implementing systems, um, um, transforming operating models, fixing data, driving change, but all the way through uh, looking for kind of interesting and new pieces of technology in, you know, the early 2000s, it was RFID and EPOS technology. And then as I went through and, and, and went into a sort of more sort of organizational transformation, it was more about automation and uh, analytics. And then as I, as I, then um, reflected again, and um, at the end of my career in Accenture, then as I joined IBM, I started to focus on on AI. But actually, all of that AI technology just sits on top of the core enterprise systems. Interestingly, yeah, it's uh, it needs to be to be added to something uh, that is already well well founded. And so, that for me, that's that. Well, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy understanding clients' problems and then working out what all the ingredients are that help them solve them around those around those dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, that was a very um, interesting uh, journey, I'd say. And I mean, you've pretty much described that a kind of the mid-late 90s, it was a huge disruption to, to have a digital automated P2P process. Um, so apart from, from, from that beginning of the journey, what would you say were, were like the, the biggest changes or, or, or transformations over, over the, the last 30 years since then? I think, I think, I mean, some things have kind of moved forward dramatically, but I think some things are still the same old things we were trying to solve um, 2000 and, 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 and the sort of decade thereafter, right? So the, the heart of this thing is the, um, the, the core enterprise system, the, the SAP or the Ariba or Cooper or whatever it might be. Um, but actually getting it to be usable by someone is, continues to be a challenge making sure that the experience they have when, when they, when they receive this piece of data and, you know, kind of, 
corporate experience on systems like e-procurement compared to the Amazon experience, there's a vast gulf between the two things. Um, data was always a challenge and it continues to be a challenge. Um, I, think, I think the thing that's really different is, um, and sort of see some of my sort of peers in the industry talking about the future of procurement. And I think the future of procurement is kind of now because the thing that's really changed is you can now join together technologies, make them genuinely interoperable, connect them and integrate them almost seamlessly. You know, it was, it's actually really, really easy. And that means if you think about the things I talked about, you know, the end-to-end -end experience, think about the things that are going to drive value that really make a difference, and then you get the data right, you can actually deliver a, a sort of, you know, kind of beyond Amazon experience in corporate systems as well. And I think that's different. Data is a problem, experience is a problem, <laughs> systems are a problem, as they always were, but the technology gets to layer on top of it. So if you go and solve those core problems, you can have some kind of exquisite experiences to really, really reinvent the procurement process. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned like to, to solve the client's problems and, and, and you just mentioned a ton of problems. I mean, where would you say in the last uh, decades you can, you can put a check mark and say, okay, from those 100 clients, we solved the problem and actually, uh, I mean, for sure, P2P automation, but I mean, probably there are a ton of other topics in the intersection of finance and procurement where you can say, okay, that is solved now. And um, yeah, that would be interesting. Well, I think I'm actually, all the things that I, I talked about, organizations are solving. We worked for a, a farm company recently and uh, implemented um, an e-procurement solution there. And they got someone who really thought about structure, a strategy for the technology. Our role then was to, you know, make sure the data was right, go through all the contracts, cleanse them. And then sort of create all the different buying channels to make sure that the sort of insight that was in their contract converted into things they could buy. Um, we also then kind of did the human centric change piece to make sure we thought about the personas that were going to be that were going to be receiving this, the people, the people in accounts payable or requesters or approvers or suppliers, and then made sure the whole piece was seamless. So, so all those things are getting solved, and the and the sort of new plugins of the technology makes a big difference. And and I, I think it, again. Um, it's just about having thought about the how to solve them in a holistic way, thinking about all the aspects of the transformation program, not just the technology. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to to understand the different layers that you have: the data layer, the technology layer. Because I mean, like um, you hear many people saying in procurement, like garbage in, garbage out. So I think the foundation about an analytically and AI-driven procurement center needs to be the cleansing, as you just mentioned, and the master data management. I think to, uh, to build that fundament, I think it's, uh, it's a key. Yeah, and I think, I think the, the key thing is that you start with the experience of the persona. If you understand what actually, and, and we, we, we ran a session for um, a consumer company a couple of years ago, and kind of when they started, we brought in accounts payable, we brought in the strategic sourcing people, we brought in the accounts payable. When they started, they were kind of in all in separate corners like a wrestling match, right? Ready to kind of, because they were sure that, that all their problems in terms of their process were generated by their colleagues. But then as we started to do some persona exercises to understand, you know, what does someone say, think, feel and do? And then sort of say, you know what, I can't get access to this particular data because this contract's not properly loaded. Um, when you were then sort of mapped all their problems onto the end-to-end -end source to pay piece, you could see that everyone had problems all the way through. And so everyone understood that all the problems were cumulatively created 
And actually, if they, if they just work together on the five or six things that were really key, the elements of data, the appropriate pieces of workflow and approval, they could solve them together. And they kind of went from being in three corners around like a, like a wrestling match to forming into a family photo. And it's really nice using the, the persona-based approach, experience-based approach. You can not only hone in on the really critical things you need to do, but you can also kind of bring people together and align around the fact that you want to transform. It's a really powerful, powerful uh, transformation method. Yeah, I can imagine that because, um, I mean, that method would also foster collaboration and would also think from top to bottom about the end-to-end -end experience. And I think only if you, if you build upon the end-to-end -end experience, you can, you can drive value because, I mean, just with fragmented technology and system breaks, you, you don't drive really that, uh, that incredible value. Exactly, exactly. And with regards to the personas, do you think if you differentiate by the different sourcing categories, do you think um, all personas have been served or do you think some, some were kind of underserved uh, or certain sort of inefficiencies or under-digitization is still happening? Well, I think there's probably... From a persona perspective, I think there are kind of we typically break it into two: the sort of you know the complex, the complex the buyer of complex services, who is often a kind of frequent buyer, compared to the sort of you know the the occasional shopper, and the occasional shopper need to make it relatively intuitive, as kind of Amazon-like as possible, and then and then have to self-serve around the around the, uh, the, the the systems and the learning and everything else, right? So that just kind of that, that, that tranche of people can, can be, can happily shop and get on with their job. Um, for the, for uh, the regular buyers, the frequent buyers, who tend to be a commodity, more of a commodity expert as a, as a, as a, as a requester, uh, particularly where it's services, you kind of have to think differently. Um, and I think you have to, because services offer so much complexity, right? There's complexity and the dynamic nature. So why, why is it so complex with regards to services? Yeah, well, so I think there are sort of three parts, right? So it's, it's, there's, a, there's a sort of dynamic nature of what you're buying that drives complexity. Um, there's also some risk in, in services, right? Which doesn't, it doesn't happen with goods. Uh, and there's a piece around the fact it, it just really kind of doesn't fit into um, a, a P2P system, which is really a P2P system is kind of almost based upon the requisitioning process kind of from the army or whatever, you went to the stores and said, I need A, B, and C. And that's turned in, in, in kind of modern ERP systems into a PR and a, and a PO and a, a receipt that really, really doesn't matter. So, so just to talk about... I mean, if I, if I may ask here, yeah, I mean, many people these days talk about the supply chain risk, but um, I haven't heard uh, much people talking about the risk with regards to services. Maybe you can elaborate on on that uh, topic a bit. Well, yeah, let me just talk, I mean, just talk a little bit about the kind of dynamic nature, right? So, of course, with the service, you you don't fully understand what you want until you've co-created co it with a supplier. Ideally, you're in control of that process and scope is controlled. And then as you start to execute it, things change. So you need a mechanism to be able to manage the change. Um, and then as you consume it, of course, you've got different dimensions. You might have you know, different, different people over different times at different rates, uh, different periods, partial delivery of milestones, a whole bunch of complexity around that. That's one dimension. But then if you look at the risk, uh, I guess we've all kind of been in the um, consulting buying situation where 
you know, you think you're buying someone at a certain grade and a certain experience, but actually um, you get a different person at the kind of wrong grade, right? So there's risk around key resources, making sure you actually get the people you really need to do a particular piece of marketing advisory or whatever it is. And then there's risk around, you know, the commercials around it, fixed price or, or TNM or milestones. So actually the whole component of risk and the risk there, of course, is you just don't get the quality of service you need to be able to deliver what you need to take your business forward uh, at, at the price you're expecting to pay. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds about right. I mean, like uh, listening to you, the dynamic nature itself feels like a huge risk because like only if you if you if you navigate it in a certain framework, I think you're able to later on mitigate the risks, if I understood you correctly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I think there's a couple of parts here, right? So the first one is, are you maintaining control of something you're looking to buy um, and make sure that you're kind of, you know, identifying it, specifying it, controlling it? Um, but at the same time, you don't want to stifle supplier innovation, right? You want to make sure that you get the best ideas from from your suppliers in a controlled manner and to get kind of really a case of how you combine, combine those two things and sort of, kind of jury rig that into into a sort of ERP solution. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you look on a, on a more broader scheme of things from the macroeconomic level, I mean, of course, there's a massive trend from goods to services. So you would think that that persona you've just described is gaining more and more attention. How, how do you see that in the current um, ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, I think I think our services are critically important, right? I, you know, the, the right people to help people transform their business, uh, deliver on their their marketing asks, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a there's a sort of a real and indeed kind of give advice around elements of securing goods across the supply chain. So, I do think it's it's um, more important than ever, and um, and kind of the it's almost like there are sort of two or three ways of dealing with it, right? So, on one hand, some people are just accepting it's complex and raising their million pounds per blanket order and they're relying on, <laughs> on colleagues and their colleagues and, and the supplier to deal with it through offline Excel mechanisms, right? And then some people are trying to use uh, solutions like field glass um, to to solve that and that sort of, sort of gets somewhere around, around, around temporary labor and contractors. And then there are kind of an evolution of kind of technologies that are being kind of much more specifically designed to, to solve this problem. Yeah. So you, you kind of think that now there are more and more providers coming up which go beyond the traditional template but focus on the more um, uh, complex services in order to cater to those personas to deliver an end-to-end -end experience. Yeah, I mean, there are as well. I mean, there's kind of, there's, I think there's a, a, a clear leader in the market. So, so globality have, have taken a really, a really uh, strong position. Um, and, but there's also, you know, companies like Mechanis who have also kind of startups are going fast, uh, and making progress. And those, those companies have really embraced the sort of dynamic nature of, of services. They're making it easy to use sort of AI conversation tools to be able to have a conversation and chat with the system to understand what you need and properly gather your requirements and actually, you know, um, collaborating with multiple requesters. And then you can go into a, um, a process with suppliers where you can iterate the solutions and sort of run a sort of dynamic tender where you get the best of all of the above. Um, they're also uh, offering, you know, some really nice diversity features where, you know, offering uh, extra 
extra extra options in terms of suppliers, particularly where there are some you know diversity targets, which happens in you know certain countries like the U.S. or South Africa, and and you know generally is a a good idea. And then when you have then agreed the service, then they've sort of got really kind of clever ways of then consuming the service that leaves people in control, but offers flexibility. And then at the very end, you can kind of get feedback. So you're sort of building up a kind of glass door or Amazon rating type sense of, you know, how well they're performing. And that I think is great for ongoing supply management because actually supply management around service providers is really hard. It always ends up being a bit anecdotal. You get a net promoter score maybe at the end of the six-month period, but it's really hard to assess individual pieces of work. And so tools like Lobati and Mechanis make it really good to engage, work with suppliers, generate collaboration, competition, and then understand whether they're doing a really great job. Yeah, I think uh, that was very well um, described. And uh, to me, uh, come across two major topics. And the one topic is collaboration across the buying, but more importantly, maybe the supply relationship journey. Um, and the other topic, I think what many people tend to forget is the challenges uh, which usually occur in the delivery phase of a service. Yeah. Um, so like, how do I track the milestones? How do I make sure a service is being delivered? Because a lot of fraud is also happening at that particular stage or when the risk is, 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 is not being mitigated properly. So what do you think about the, the, the delivery stage of a service, which might be kind of where your expertise lies at the intersection of finance and procurement? Yeah, I think it's really important actually when we're starting to see And I don't want to make it too much of just about the UK, right? But but uh, in the UK and other places, we're starting to see some really major capital projects coming through, right? So we're sort of starting to reinvest in areas like nuclear. So this whole increasingly numbers of highly complex services that have milestones against them. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's really important that the organizations, both organizations are clear and collaborative uh, and that the tool allows you to capture that progress deal with partial milestones, deal with, you know, complex commercial services like, you know, you might have a time and materials payment mechanism with some sort of, you know, discounts and increments. So I think it is the the um, the setting up the, of the relationship initially, being able to collaborate around uh, sourcing is really important. Excuse me. Um, and by the way, to do that, you've really got to go back and solve the data. I referred to it before, you've got to go back and understand your services suppliers. You've got to classify them properly. You've got to make sure all the contracts you've created are properly reflected in the system. But then as you say, I think these technologies are making really good progress um, in terms of allowing you to manage milestones, but I think there's still more to do in terms of technology. And there's still a lot to do for organizations to understand how to best to use it, right? The best way to do is to kind of get used to it, start to consume it, and then can actively focus on how to continually improve to make sure we're using this this technology to, uh, as well as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned already kind of some some other uh, trends like diversity or sustainability. So so if you if you look beyond the the complex service buying persona again, what kind of um, yeah. trends do you see in in kind of procurement land? Well, I think that I think the really big thing um, now is um, is sustainability. So so measuring your your emissions and kind of most most organisations. I mean, I was working with a 
uh, a consumer goods company recently that thought that had you know ninety five percent of this of their emissions were scope three, right? So generated through the supply chain. So as a minimum, organisations are looking to put in sort of reporting systems that allow them to understand you know what is my uh, scope three emissions across my supply base, be able to understand for individual suppliers um, what their emissions rating are, what their mix is. And with regards to sustainability, I also feel like that that is mainly uh, been taken care of for the big supply chains, but not really for service providers. Do you see that also as an important topic for service providers? Well, well yeah, I, th- I do. I think there's a couple of things, right? So I'll, I'll just come on to sort of answer that question in a second, but maybe just, been, just come back to my point. I think on one hand, reporting is the minimum. You know, what is my... Um, my scope through reporting, my existing supply base, where am I? But the more leading organizations are starting to make decisions around, and actually, therefore, I'm going to make some different sourcing strategies. So I'm actually going to choose suppliers based upon their their, their um, emission levels, and I'm going to start to play, it's going to start to become a really key criteria for my for my um, selection of suppliers, both at the contract stage, well, at the MSA stage, and then subsequently. Um, so, so definitely for, for, for sort of materials and, uh, and, and good suppliers, we're also seeing service suppliers also actively taking steps um, to reduce theirs. So I think it is important, and I think it will be an important um, component going forward. I mean, there are some obvious things around, you know, reducing travel, which has a kind of some impact on this. But I do think it's an important topic, and organizations are, are thinking it through. And the great thing about a solution like a... The globality of Mercanus, you can build that criteria straight into your into your selection criteria, and you can then manage it dynamically. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's kind of uh, what is the topic of our time. I think like uh, going to going to uh, net zero, and I think it's 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 great that finally the awareness um, everywhere came. But um, I I feel the same like you that many people tend to forget that like for the many professional service or complex service engagement that also should matter and it should be incorporated in the respective uh, solutions. Then my last question will be, I mean, like uh, probably there are not many people in the whole world um, like you who work like for like three decades in like consulting companies like EMY, Capgemini, Accenture, now and one of the leading tech companies with IBM, who have seen so many different um, procurement uh, buying centers, but also financial organizations from the inside. So what would you advise organizations with regards to transformation, with regards to technology? I mean, everyone talks about digitization, uh, organization hire CDOs and CIOs, but what is kind of your practical advice or words of wisdom from all your experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your conclusion that I'm much older than anybody else. I think that's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't I've been doing this a while, but I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I've been lucky enough to kind of work with some some great companies and some great colleagues. Yeah, so. Um, um, I think, I mean, for me, that um, I think you, you've, you've talked about it all the way through, right? So, and I've sort of talked about it. I think as people are designing their, um, their sort of their journey from here, I think they've got to think about all the dimensions. They've got to think about um, what's the experience and the process we're trying to drive. You know, what's the uh, content and data we're trying to convert? What are the skills of the people um, having identified the key personas? What are their skills and how do we need to serve them? 
Um, and then how do we kind of make that kind of enduring as part of the sort of service that sits around it, like the health death service. Um, and, the, and the way, and the way, and as you're designing this, the way we go about that is really to sort of just kind of simple. It's actually in two parts. On one hand, is a capability model saying, you know, what are, the, what are the sort of five or six areas that are really important? You know, maybe it's supply risk for a consumer business. Maybe it's uh, commodity pricing. Maybe it's uh, sustainability. What are the five or six areas? Maybe indirect procurement compliance are the things that are really important. What are those critical areas that are need to be differentiated to allow you to deliver your, your business strategy? And then where, where indeed on the same chart, where are you spending your time? Where's the, where is the effort? Oh yes, okay, it's in mismatching the accounts payable. It's in help solving help desk queries. That's on one hand. And then by doing a sort of persona exercise that we talked about, the pain points, that allows you to understand, actually here's all the things that are difficult. And quite often those sort of two things kind of tie together. And then using this sort of, uh, this approach, you can then, and, and actually once you start to analyze the issues and analyze what you need, they fall out neatly until it's an experience problem or it's a data problem or a system problem, system problem. And then you can put it down on a, on a roadmap over time, having worked out whether those things are short-term, medium or long-term. Um, and actually I've, I've, um, I've, I've sort of written this down, I've sort of been developing it for kind of all those years that you talked about, uh, uh, Fabian, in terms of my career, sort of, so the last 10 years or so, and I've written it down in a, in a paper we just published with, um, with ProcureTech 100 which actually calls out some of those, some of the procurement technologies that are up and coming. And we'll, we'll post the link to that uh, in, in um, at the end of this podcast. And, I, and so those organizations, keep it simple, work with the personas, understand what you really need to enable, and then focus on the pain points and then build yourself a roadmap and then use the process, and you alluded to this, to actually get everyone bought into the transformation program, get everyone agreeing they're going to prioritize it and that they're in, intending to progress against the, the plan you've agreed. I think that was a great uh, final statement and a, and a very wise uh, piece of advice for many organizations. So um, thanks a lot uh, for the very exciting conversation. I think we, 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 we could go on for hours. It's super interesting to, to pick your brain and to, to, to dive into uh, such challenges and topics. Um, thanks a lot for your time. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe we see ourselves in another episode in the, in the future. Thank you, Fabian. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This was the Procurement Unplugged podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. For more podcasts and expert content, visit us at procurementunplugged.com.